Hello, this is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to episode 15, part two of our series entitled An Ongoing Need in America, Good Fathers. This series will run through the month of September, so be sure to look out for more future episodes. Hey, I know that you're used to hearing an excerpt from this week's episode right now, but this week we wanted to do something different and encourage you to check out redeemedheartsministries.com. There you'll find blog posts and more podcast episodes from Worley and Danina. Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for speaking. If you're a pastor or a ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you'd like to do a custom special event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to the Redeemed Hearts podcast today to learn and grow and invest in your spiritual life. So without further ado, here's Worley and Danina today. So we continue. This is a second podcast in a series we're calling An Ongoing Need in America, Good Fathers. Today, we're going to cover a couple of topics, the father's relationship to God and a father's character. And so I we start with the father's relationship with God. If I aspire to be a really good father, then I must make it my aim to know God personally as best as I can. It doesn't just happen. It's something that God has, you know, placed in our hearts to know him. And in in this area of being a good father, um, we get to know the father. And so last time, that's basically what we said. It's possible for all men to become good fathers by getting to know God. Now, the scriptures consistently call us to love God more than anyone or anything else. And I think, Danina, this is where it starts. We're called to love God more than anyone or anything else. And I don't think that we just naturally fall into this. I think that it's something that matures over time. Just as, you know, my love for you has grown deeper over time or, uh, you know, love of anything gets even deeper. It's true with our love of God. It's something that happens over time. Which is very important when it comes to parenting because if I love my children— more than God, and we'll flesh this out probably more in the next podcast, but, I mean, it, it's going to change how I parent. Yes. And certainly for you as a father, it's going right. to change how you, um, you know, parent your kids. But also, I mean, if you love me more than God and yeah. you want to please me and you just go do what I think you ought to do with the kids, right? Um, then, you know, that very likely is going to create a lot of, you know, insecurity, or it's going to create a lot of even, uh, you know, rebellion or, you know, hard-heartedness toward uh, me as a mother. I mean, you know, our kids would just say, well, dad's just doing that because mom told me, you know, mom said that. Right. So I have a lot of confidence and live with a lot of security in the fact that I know you love God and anything I'm going to say, you're going to value what I say, but you're going to pray about it and you're going to seek God first. So right. I think this is very practical. It, it is. And, it's, and, and critical in parenting. It's foundational. Yeah. 
And I can say that I, uh, after being a father for 27 years, that I have grown in this, mm-hmm. to, that, that I love God more than anyone or anything else. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that in me, that spark. Mm-hmm. But I think that early in our years of marriage, I wanted to please you as being a father. And, and I wanted you to please me <laughs> early sure, in marriage. <laughs> sure you do. But but if that it, but as that was my goal, yes, then that was doomed to fail. And so what what I learned over the years is I want you to be pleased, mm-hmm. but that's not my goal. And I what I think men need to hear, and from me even, is that there there's a sense of rest that can happen in me and um, security that I feel. I mean, I don't feel dangerous or too powerful or you know, whatever word you might use, someone else might use there, because I I can rest in the fact that I'm going to tell you what I think. Very or, much so. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, I spend more time sometimes, especially when our kids are young with the kids, so I may know what's going on more. And so I may, you know, give you direction. But there's a lot of peace for me that comes in knowing that you're going to think through that yourself. You're going to pray about it. You're going to step into that. And, um, I mean, it's going to be because that's the conclusion that you've come to. Well, and it's because this comes out of a love for God. Right. It is is because He is who I love more than anyone else. And that has been matured over time. Mm -hmm. And we'll say this probably in the next podcast, too, but that— in the beginning, I think I cared and tried to please you too much. And so as I matured and it took hold, but it really was because I, because I care deeply about what you think mm-hmm. about our kids. I, I do. I want your input. I value your input. And I, and I want you to be happy with what we're doing. And, and, and I mostly wanna, with you. <laughs> and I want us to work together in it. Mm-hmm. But this this point is a man needs to see that this is foundational, that a father seeks to love the more Lord more than anyone else. I, I go to this passage in Matthew 10, 37, and Jesus puts this in perspective for us where he says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter, so here, here this applies to what we're talking about today, Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And in this verse, Jesus is clearly making the point that to love anyone or anything more than one loves God is wrong. And that means as a father that I love God most, more than my wife, more than my children. And it's a tall order because I am given so much life and energy from you as my wife and from my kids. Therefore, when when you're given something from somebody else and you see them and you experience them, it produces just a desire to want to love. I also, um, you know, I, I, I... I love and and feel the responsibility for you. You're 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 very present to me. 
Um, and so I say this to you dads, ask yourself, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Why do you wake up each day? What gets you going? If the answer to this is anything other than your love for God, then I, I think you have area to grow in. I think this is what we're after. Is it the love of my wife or my children that get me out of bed? Is it the love for my wife or for my children? If so, then I'm loving them more than God. And, and, and for many dads, it's, it's not even that. It's not even the wife and children. It's something mm-hmm. totally out of that realm. Their job or their hobbies or their own pleasure. If that's the mm -hmm. case, you're not going to be a good father. Yeah. And I believe God's in the process of maturing us in this direction. As Jesus said, anyone who loves, and he listed those things more than me, very good things, then we're not worthy of him. So um, So how do you do that practically? I mean, how do you love God? So so I believe, and we'll get practical um, with, with being a father as things go here. But in this particular point, how, how, do, how do we do that? First um, Peter 1.8 says, um, and well, let me answer it first before I read that. So it's faith. How, how do I love God more than my wife, more than my kids, more than my job? It's our faith. So Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know now, you do, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Faith is a is a working out. It's a it's something that um is it's it's not just that I believe. God exists or that Jesus died on my, for my sins. It is, it is this practice of everything in my life comes from out of the fact that I do believe God exists and God is the one in the process of, you know, working out this salvation in me. Um, Jesus said strong words in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me can't be my disciple. And then Jesus summarizes all of this when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So it's it's the development of faith. It's the development of this walk that a father has with God. And um, it's the journey God has us on. And so how do I develop my faith? Fellowship with the Lord, having conversations with the Lord, talking to the Lord. It's obedience to what he commands of us. It's other disciplines of taking, you know, the, the time and energy to read the scriptures, to um, to be accountable to others, whether it be you or other men. It's to worship him. It's to not neglect the assembling 
with other believers, which is to go fellowship in church. And as I spend time with him, and, and, and as we do these things, as I confess sin, um, then God deals with our hearts, and he brings about change so that we don't just go through the motions of this. And I just think God's faithful. God says to in, in, in Timothy that even if we're not faithful, he's faithful to us. And this is, this is the path that he has us on. Um, and I believe that we can't be indifferent to this or lazy with this, um, but that it is, um, you know, part of part of a walk of faith. And I want to make a point about that it, it flows out of our fear of God's. But, but before I do that, do you have any thoughts or comments? Mm-hmm. So Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Let me read that again. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Two very important things there. Confidence comes out of the fear of the Lord. But notice the the outworking of that. It provides something for your children, a refuge, a place of protection, a place where they, they, um, they grow and they develop. This is why you're talking about this is so foundational because, I mean, at a at a root level, most men are asking the question, I mean, do I have what it takes yes. here? I mean, do I have what it takes to even, you know, love God? Um, I'm, I'm not as good at this as my wife is, or do I have what it takes to parent my children? Especially when kids are young, you see a lot of men really just kind of turn that over, um, you know, to their wives until they get older. It's not always the case, but sometimes, you know, that happens. Sometimes it's vice versa. But just that it's it's in their relationship with the Lord that they will gain and have that confidence and to really realize they're, what they're providing for their kids in that. I mean, yeah. that, you know, their children um, will have a refuge. I mean, those are strong words. And, and, and I would say fear just for, for our culture today, to put it in simple terms, um, one of the things that, that fear does is it causes us to be serious about God. So you could say the way that we fear God is I take him seriously. He exists. He sees. He's real. His word has been given to us. It's true. I don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, you know, as a non-believer, I'm afraid of going to hell. But as a believer, I'm not afraid of going to hell. I don't... I don't see God as a as a despot who's out to crush me. I know He loves me. The scriptures are telling me this, but as but but there still is this aspect of I, I don't want His discipline, even though I get His discipline, and we'll talk more about that at some point. But that I I, I take Him seriously, and so I think in those terms, do you take God seriously? Because if you take God seriously. It's going to impact how you, I mean, what, what you're doing every day and how you start your day and how you end your day and who you're talking about and, and um, what 
I mean, if you go to church or not, if you listen to the commands that he that he gives us about you know loving your wife and and so forth and so on. But the point of fear is is really that I revere him and it causes me, it moves in me, it moves in my heart. It's not something I can just go through the motions about. So I say that because I think it would be easier for somebody to just hear the word fear and think I'm afraid of God. Well, yeah, I'm afraid of God, but but not because of how powerful he is. I mean, the the image of what the beaver taught Lucy in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe when he was telling her about Aslan the lion, and 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 she said, "Well, is is he safe?" And Mrs. Beaver spoke up and said, "Well, he's not, he's not, no, he's not safe, but he's good." Mm-hmm. And so there's a relationship component to that, but it's it's really I just want to make those words is that he's that we take him seriously. And you know, Orly, I think uh, it it could be helpful for. The people listening to even know how you do that. I mean, I think as your wife, I um, watch you do this really daily. And I mean, I think part of the fearing the Lord is that humility that, um, you know, starts your day and you will often pray and say, you know, God, I'm not sufficient for today. I mean, I don't. I often pray that because I'm not. (laughs) No, (laughs) but but you're starting your day, number one, with that humility that says, you know, number one, you're God and I'm not. Yes. And um, and then, you know, you you listen to the scripture um, be read to you. So, you, you know, sometimes it causes conflict in our home because he's walking around the house with his uh, earbuds in. But yeah. he's, he's listening to scripture and I'm talking to him and he um, doesn't respond. And then I realize... Uh, you're not really there, but you're not there for a good reason. Yeah, so. and you know that I actually <laughs> yeah. just put it in one ear. So you, you know, have started doing so that, So you know yes. the best ear is going for God, <laughs> and then you get the other one. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about an illustration that um, John Eldridge uh, gives that, that made me think about this, because he, he says that men don't ask for directions because they see it as failure. Mm-hmm. And they often equate being in a place of need as, you know, mm. embarrassment mm. or a weakness. So they don't ask for help. And, uh, I mean, if if you start there, um, then you're never going to fear the Lord. Mm. You're not going to ask your father for help to help you be a father because you're going to feel like, well, you got to figure this out and you got to get your act together and you got to just work harder and, and do a better job and... Um, one of the things that John Eldridge says is that Jesus lived in dependence upon his father. And so we, you know, and you all out there as men need to be open um, to being fathered in order to be able to be a father. And, you know, that means you have to ask for directions. You have to be willing to want to listen to God's word, listen to, you know, men that have lived longer than you, that are older than you. Don't feel like that's an embarrassment or a weakness um, to live dependent and live needy upon that um, that relationship. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad you bring that up because I think often young fathers, we talked about what it take to be a father. Well, what does that mean? And someone who impregnates a woman who has a child, that makes you a father. Well, all of a sudden, a young man might think, well, 
Uh, I got to know what I'm doing and I should know what I'm doing. There's a lot of that pressure that goes around in our culture and mm-hmm. you, you, that, that's foolish. And sometimes it's, it's worse and way worse in the Christian culture, yeah. like the pressure. Yeah, so let's take some of that pressure off and just say as a young father, there, you, you can't possibly know what you're doing because you haven't, you haven't practiced it. And so you learn over time. And you, you know, this, I, there's been seasons in our life where I didn't take God seriously. And I mean, I, I went through the motions at different times. And here's the good news is God is the one who's faithful to us to let our life be difficult enough to let us fail enough so that we learn our need. And hopefully in learning that we do turn to him. Can't and there's you, nothing like parenting to make us all realize that we need directions. We need the Father. Yeah, and that's one of the ways our kids help us mm-hmm. as being parents is, is, is we see that we don't know what we're doing. And, um, I, you know, a tragedy is, when the, you know, the, the man who says to me, and I've had men tell me this, that they're not good fathers and they know they're not. And, and I'll talk to them about this very thing and just, you know, turning to the Lord in it. And they don't do it. They won't do it. And yet they still try to be good fathers. And I just don't know how you do it. If you don't have this aspect of I want to and I need to depend upon our Heavenly Father. Let me read another verse, and then we'll go to the Father's character. But Psalm 128, 1 through 4 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So the scriptures we've, we've you know, read two here, both of them talk about a father, a mother too, but a father who fears the Lord. Um, the result of that is it provides something for your children. Now, does that mean our children are going to turn out perfect? Well, of course not, because our children have their own wills, and they may totally rebel and turn against God. Mm-hmm. But we will have provided for them what it is that we need to provide for them. And then they get to decide. Mm -hmm. So anything else on that before we, well, let's move forward to the second part of today's podcast about being good fathers. And, And that's the father's character. As a man walks with God, God will develop in that man godly character. God is committed to that in us. We don't, we don't even have to, we just, we need to walk with God and we need to, read the scriptures, and we need to pray, and we need to fellowship with him, and we need to, you know, learn what we can. God will develop this in us. And I will often say to men, who they are in relationship with others is what is most important. And that's character. Who you are is character. And whether that be a husband in one's work, but especially for today's topic of being a father. And so, one of the best passages to talk about character is 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 5, where Paul's talking about actually the qualifications for an elder and why 
you know, an elder had to be, has to be of the utmost character. And so these things are not just true for elders, but they're true for all men in the church. It's the highest standard. It's not the lowest standard. It's not what we just get by with. It's the highest standard in that. So Paul tells elders, you must have these qualities. And then the other thing I say here is that a father is essentially the elder, the overseer, the pastor of his own family. So a father provides an example for his children to follow through his character. So let me read 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. I'll just make a few comments on these. Therefore, an an overseer, and I'm just going to substitute the word here, father, must be above reproach. So that means in all that he does, someone, you know, is readily able to see that, that he strives to to be the kind of person that is, as it would say here, above reproach. Um, a one-woman man, we'll talk next time about a father with his wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. can pause there for a second because there's, you know, there's this fallacy in our Christian world today that, I just God, I don't believe the scriptures oppose the the freedom to drink, but I think there's there's many who are getting really sloppy with it, and um, it, it gets them into trouble. And you're impacting your children if this area of your life is something that you're not paying attention to. Well, and part of it is we counsel a lot of teenagers and. And they're very confused yes. by the rules that are be, being given to them and yes. by what they see at home in that area. And these are and so these and how are, they see the character of yeah. their parent change under the influence of a substance. Yes. And you know, kids kids are very intuitive yes. about that. And we often hear them talking about it. A few other qualities here, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So right there, it's the character qualities of a father are listed for us. And um, and a lot of uh, hard-heartedness. I know our last podcast, we were talking about things that shut a heart down. I mean, they're... It really shuts a heart down to um, kids when they see, you know, the character of their parent lacking in, in some of those ways. And, but the parent doesn't ever really even come to them. And we'll talk more about this probably in the next podcast. But, I mean, they don't own their sin. They don't apologize for their sin. They just, you know, they're on the kid's case all the time for everything they're doing. But meanwhile, they're, you know, living their life however they want. So, um, it, it causes a heart to shut down and to get hard and um, bitter. So. so we've given you this scripture so you can see very specific things that are character things for a father. And we're making the point that if you want to be a good father, then again, foundationally, you walk with God, you, you love God more than anyone else. And then out of that relationship, God develops your character. Um, we don't simply teach our children. Um, our children observe 
and see how we live our lives. And that will impact them first and foremost. And then from that, we, we are commanded to teach. There's things they need to hear come out of our mouths and instruction for them. But it's how we live our lives and the way we live our lives. I like how Moses says it in Deuteronomy 4.9, where he's, he's saying, keep your soul diligently. I like that because it means I'm attentive to something within myself. We're all you know, prone to be that way. And, but there's a certain way to do that. So keep your soul diligently. You watch what you put into your, 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 yourself. You, you know, you, you're careful. You can't just, you know, take your freedom for granted and um, do whatever you want and, and, you know, so forth. He says, keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life and then make them known to your children and your children's children. So, character. And this is something I think that's not about perfectionism. This is about, like we've talked even in an earlier podcast about how trusting God starts over every day. I mean, every day we are starting all over, I mean, living humbly before God, trusting Him to provide, you know, whatever we need for today. And uh, and I think it's this with parenting is, uh, I mean, sometimes, I mean, you you read Scripture like that, and that's pretty overwhelming, and you're very aware, I would think, uh, as a man. I don't measure up. Yeah. I don't have that. That's That's not me. So what do you do with that? Well, so I think I think as you're walking with your heavenly Father too, you're very aware that this requires humility. What, you know, so when I say I'm not sufficient for the day, it's not all the task of the day. It's to be the kind of man that I'm required to be, and and so humility is constantly in order, and and you you live long enough, and you you walk long enough, and go through you know, life, it, it, things humble you and, and being a father humbles you. I mean, look how many times as our kids were growing up, did I have to apologize to our kids for my anger or for my impatience or for, um, not being attentive to them. I mean, on and on and on mm-hmm. our character is grows as we're exposed for who we're not by the scriptures and by the spirit, but we are, but that's not, you know, we we don't have to be defeated by that. We can be encouraged because, because our life is found in Christ. That's who we are. And I mean, this is the whole point of the gospel message that Jesus Christ came. Yes. um, So that, I mean, we can confess our sins when we fail as parents and, we can ask our kids forgiveness. I think this is why, as you've kind of been talking through all of this, that you're starting with, um, it, it has to do with who we are yes. before it has to do with what we do. We, have, we haven't even gotten to that. We're going we're right. gonna to be through two podcasts, and we haven't even talked about what you do as a father, mm-hmm. right? Because what we do comes out of all of this internal part of who we are, who you are as a man, and I—I I have an example. I can still remember um, when you had—we were giving one of our kids um, consequences for 
being angry and they were writing sentences and um, they had to write several sentences. Uh, I think about anger, um, you know, be angry and do not send in your anger, you know, deal with your anger quickly lest you give Satan a foothold, I think was the verse. But, um, and it was about three days later and you lost it <laughs> with the kids. I can still remember this. And, um, and I, it, and it, I mean, it was with our son, and I can remember that. And he uh, was fairly young. Yes. And and it kind of, you know, crushed him anyway. But it, yes. yes. And I and, and I, I feel had gone about in, as high. I mean. Yeah. I remember walking into his bedroom to put laundry or something away, and there on the bed was sentences that you had written, the exact same sentences. Um, you know. For the same verse. 15 times or something. And you had uh, the same verse. 25. 25. Maybe 50. (laughs) Yeah, you did double. (laughs) No, but it it was on Taylor's bed. And I remember right then thinking, um, that's character. I mean, that, that... that is going to teach your son. I still feel emotional sure. all these years later. That's yeah. going to teach your son more about who God is and about, you know, um, even who you are as a father yes. and as a man. Teach Taylor about being a man by you living humbly with him. And um, I don't even know. Taylor will probably listen to this. I don't even know if he remembers it, but I, I would imagine he and does. And you know, Denise, that it, stood out to me. It's a, the gospel message Jesus Christ died for my sins. Mm-hmm. I'm declared not guilty because he was declared guilty. Mm-hmm. The gospel message is what gives hope that through the failures with our children, we uh, find forgiveness and we find the you know that we find what we're not mm-hmm. so that we become the kind of people we can. And so, over the years, God has developed the character. You ask, well, I look at a list like this, and those things, I can say, have grown and matured. Mm-hmm. If you talk mm-hmm. about any one of these, you know, being self-controlled, um, being uh, gentle as opposed to violent. Now, I was not ever abusive and wouldn't have considered myself violent, but, but certainly my anger can do harm and, and has. Uh, quarrelsome, not a lover of money. All of those are things that God develops in us. Mm-hmm. But the you know the key here really is that's what's so important. It's foundational in being a good father. And you know I learned this from my own father. I've learned it in, from your father. Mm-hmm. And humility is huge, but it doesn't take much. I mean, God will humble us. I mean, any man who's lived very long realizes. Life will humble you. Mm-hmm. So, well, those are the two things really um, for this podcast is just this um, one who loves God more than anyone else in, in the spiritual life and then one's character as a father. And so next time we're going to get into just uh, how a father loves his wife, how a father is involved with his kids, and then how fathers be involved beyond his kids. So we'll pick this up next time. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, 
we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Hey, Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for public speaking. If you're a pastor or ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you would like to do a custom event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.